Hey there, welcome to the Product Hive podcast. On this episode, we're bringing you the presentation about writing user stories from our February 2021 product event, where you'll hear from Aaron Armit. Aaron is a senior product manager at OC Tanner. Humans love stories. We craft them, cherish them, and share them. Stories often explore the unknown and define it. So the word story is a terrific term for how product managers can describe the unknown to developers. But what makes an effective story? In this talk, Aaron will share practical tips for leveling up your user stories. So now, let's hear Aaron's talk, Setting Conflict Resolution, User Story Basics for Product Managers. Today, we're going to be talking about user stories, um, and particularly just the return to the basics. So um, I hope today to share some really practical tips and even to share some stories from my own career uh, in which I learned, you know, uh, through this the school of hard, uh, of hard knocks, right? Just, just on-the-job training and learning, and some tips that I've picked up um, over the last few years in writing user stories. Uh, and and uh, how we can better communicate what product needs from development and, and have that collaboration there together. Um, so I just want to begin a little bit with um, my own story, right? And maybe some of you can relate to this, uh, and maybe others can't, but that's okay. But uh, I went to college at BYU, uh, and I studied the very relevant uh, degree of English, English literature, um, and uh, it was fantastic. At the time, my plan was to be an author. I was going to write a lot of novels, particularly fantasy or science fiction novels. Um, and a uh, quick tangent, if anybody wants to nerd out on Lord of the Rings, um, then let's do it. Let's, let's connect afterwards. Um, but uh, at the time, I was thinking, I'm going, to be, I'm going to be a writer. That's what I was going to do. Uh, uh, and uh, I signed up for the English major and, and uh, wrote a whole bunch of stuff to creative writing classes. Um, dialed in and said, I'm going to write short stories. Short stories is going to be my thing. That's what I'm going to do. And uh, just started digging into that a lot and then realized there's a whole world of possibilities out there that I had kind of like never even thought of. For example, the business school across the way, I thought they only did MBAs. I never knew that they had undergraduate programs in things like organizational behavior or marketing or management and leadership, all of those things that were other passions of mine that I just didn't even know existed at a college level. So I stayed on my track of English degree, ended up starting uh, my career after college at a global nonprofit in sort of a content development sort of role. Uh, and then we transitioned, that role started transitioning into more of a project management role um, where we learned, uh, you know, let's let's ship a lot of stuff and let's ship it on time and on budget and within scope. Uh, but then we started to realize, holy cow, you can actually ship a lot of stuff, a lot of product, a lot of content and not make one load of difference in the world, that there could be zero impact or zero outcome of everything that you're shipping and your users, your customers, they don't care uh, that you got something done on time or, or uh, in, on scope or in budget, right? What they care about are their problems. And so we, we started to shift, sort of myself and some of my coworkers, we started to shift and we realized how do we make a difference in the world? 
And we started learning things called product management uh, and, and outcomes and doing discovery and testing our, our, our ideas and doing iterations and seeing what actually worked uh, and, and interviewing customers. And so we started really diving deep into this world of product management. And I realized, holy cow, this, this is where I need to be, kind of this interspace between technology, between customers, between business, uh, and how humans are interacting with technology to try to make progress in their lives. And I realized, boom, that's, that's the place where I need to be uh, for my career. Uh, but I noticed at my global nonprofit that I was still at, they were kind of going this way. Technology and product management was going this way. So I decided I'd make a jump. Uh, into the software world uh, more fully a few years ago. Uh, worked at a startup for a little bit, and then now I've been here at OC Tanner um, for the last just over a year or so, as Jason said. So um, I just want to share that story so that you know, like, I'm not necessarily an expert. I'm not a trained, trained product manager because not, there's I don't think one really exists right yet. I mean, we've got some college programs that are that are catching up to that and some certificates, certifications and licensing and all those things. But, but uh, I think for all of us, what we've learned for product management it has been really on the job and what we've picked up from other people. And so for that, for that one reason, I really want to do a shout out for Product Hive and just say this community has been so awesome, just the way that we share with one another uh, things that we've learned and, and practices that we've picked up and, and uh, mistakes that we've made. And we call each other out too. It's, it's been really fabulous. Um, so that's been my story. Hopefully there's pieces of that that resonate with you. I think there's no really one set way to get into product management, uh, but it's it's really fun to hear all the different stories of how we actually did end up there. Um, and speaking of the word story, I love this quote by an English author by the name of Terry uh, Pratchett. He says, there's always a story. It's all stories, really. The sun coming up every day is a story. Everything's got a story in it. Change the story, change the world. And I really love that idea because we as humans, the way we communicate and we've communicated for thousands and thousands of years is through stories, right? Before we could write things down, before we could share videos on YouTube, we were orally sharing stories from one generation to another, to another, to another. And particularly this idea of whatever the story is that you believe and that you grab onto, that is the story that really frames how you view the world. Right. And so the idea here is, you know, you, you can change that story, change that story that's in your mind and you begin to change the world. And I really believe um, that that's what we're trying to do as product managers is we're trying to change the world. Right. On a macro level, but on the micro level, we need to start changing the stories that are happening to the to that human experience so that the world can be changed, be a little bit better for our customers, for our users, for the folks that are using using our particular uh, product. So why have user stories in the first place? What's, what's the point or the purpose of a user story? Well, I'm a big fan of the job to be done sort of mentality theory, the jobs theory. Um, and so I wanted to write it out this way um, for product managers and UX designers. At the end of the day, product managers and UX designers can only do so much. And then we need developers, right? To, to help bring these ideas to life. And so that user story um, really becomes uh, what I've, sort of articulated here, that trackable form of communication, right? That can easily communicate the needs, keep track of questions, history, and the status of whatever that little unit of work is, uh, right? And so that's sort of what product managers and UX designers, that's kind of what we need out of a story. On the flip side, on the reverse side, developers, 
right? They need a really succinct and clear description of what they're supposed to be building. Uh, uh, sometimes if you let developers go too far, um, they, they'll, they'll just build and build and build and it'll be wonderful code. Uh, but sometimes, uh, they need to be brought back to you. Okay. What is the basic? What do we need right now? What's the smallest absolute piece, right? Um, and we need to make sure that they're building, building validated features that they're building things that are actually going to be useful. that are viable, that are feasible, uh, and, and, uh, valuable for your, for your company and for your customers. So uh, one way to think about it is the user story sits right in the middle of this interaction and this collaboration between product and UX and, and engineering. Now, if, if we were to revise this Venn diagram, there, that overlap would probably be a lot more uh, big. This middle space would be a lot deeper and bigger. Uh, but I think the user story sits right here in the middle of this, wherein you know, PM and UX do a lot of discovery and they obviously involve development. They need to involve development in that discovery process. But then it, that discovery culminates in the smallest piece of, of output that needs to happen in order to achieve whatever outcomes or problems uh, were, were uh, defined here in the discovery. So this user story becomes that smallest piece of communication for development then to take, um, uh, for, for the engineering to then take and start developing on that story and building out those features. Uh, and so this is the user story represents really all of that collaboration, that give and take, that input between product UX and engineering. It all ends right there within that particular story that the developers then groom and estimate, put in their sprint planning and go and, and do their unit testing and all of those things and uh, on that. Before we go any further, questions or contrary ideas or any comments about why we have user stories and sort of what their purpose and what their role is? I have a, a combination comment question. So on a previous slide on the PM and UX side that there's you know, there's discovery, there's thinking through what are all the options, there's the smallest absolute piece, there's uh, iterating, right? Mm -hmm. and, and that goes into development a little bit because you need to develop some of your prototypes as you get closer to your end product. So here on this diagram, this is the question part. You have user story as the overlapping piece. I assume that you're using the user story as well uh, to indicate the collaboration between PM, UX, and engineering as you work together on this iterative process? Yeah, absolutely. So there's going to be a lot of things that happen in this discovery phase that maybe never get into a user story, right? Um, and there may be some things that you want developers to do. Maybe it's doing a, a like a light coding prototype um, or a landing page or something that does need to does need to take the form of a user story, right? So there's probably a lot of other things that you will collaborate with your developers on that aren't not necessarily represented in that user story. Um, but at the end of the day, when you get to the point where you're saying, "Okay, now we need some actual code um, that's going to be delivered on and unit tested," um, this is going to be the piece um, that you're absolutely going to want to do. So let's look at some pieces of what actually makes uh, an effective user story. Uh, and all stories begin with a setting, right? If you think about the movies that you watch, um, I'm gonna draw back on Lord of the Rings, right? Um, everybody loves to see the Shire. The Shire, it's so peaceful, it's so green. Bilbo or Frodo, they never go on any adventures. There's always a context for which a story exists. Uh, and that context describes sort of the who, the what, the when, um, the where. It may even just have a hint of what the problem is going to be, but it doesn't dive 
really, really deep. Um, and so in, in providing a setting for your user stories, I recommend um, sort of two, two practices. One is to have a really good title for your story, right? And a title that is concise, descriptive, and memorable. So um, you can see here in this screenshot, uh, I've kind of shown, I think traditionally a lot of product managers will kind of add the title as the actual user story itself. So they have a, as a user, I need a blank. So that blank, 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 right? But you can see here that that, that long sentence really starts to get lost when you're looking at, you know, multiple epics and, and lots of different stories within those epics. And there's not a lot of distinction. And this, as a user, I need a blah, blah, blah. That takes up a lot of real estate and it's not exactly descriptive or memorable. It's definitely not concise. Um, and what I found is that my developers, they'll take, they'll take a look at these stories. And if I, and, and with this sort of a title, they'll truncate it anyway. And as they talk about it in standup or in grooming or, or in communications and other formats, they'll truncate that title anyway. Right. And so it really gets lost. So I would recommend just having a title um, that is really concise, probably somewhere in the realm of two to five words. Uh, would, would probably be best, make it nice and clean and easy to see. And this gives your developer something, just a small handle, make it memorable so that they can easily um, communicate that, right? Just a quick story here. When I was first writing stories in a product or in a, in a technology setting, I used to write the titles all like this. And I remember one day I was sort of doing some rearranging of some epics and stories and projects, and I was completely lost. And I ended up creating like this convention system of like, asterisks and carrot symbol and this for meaning that this story, like it was just something for me to stay organized because I couldn't remember what was in these stories. And then I, I looked over at what a friend of mine was doing. Um, this is Ethan Winkleman, if he's on, so thank you. And he had just these nice short little titles for his stories and he could keep them, keep track of them so much more easily. And I thought, oh my gosh, that's amazing. Fast forward a few years later, I'm working with a brand new development team here at OC Tanner, one that I'd never worked with before. Um, and I mentioned, yeah, I don't like to write user stories in the title. I like to have a nice, concise title. And our front end lead um, at that point said, ah, finally, a smart one. Uh, and so I took that as, as good validation of, you know, sometimes these longer titles are not really helpful for our developers and just try to take something really concise. Uh, one more piece of advice on setting up this setting is to write out an actual purpose statement um, for what that story is going to be, right? It can describe what current functionality is there, um, or it can be um, sort of describe what's out of scope um, for the purpose. And it can also provide you with some good um, commander's intent, uh, if you've heard that phrase before. Um, and here's just a little example that I just wrote up um, out of the blue, right? So today... Um, this is what's happening. This is a problem because of this reason. Um, and we're going to take this stuff. This stuff is not in scope for this particular story. Right. And so I've also found that this is helpful in providing a lot of the bigger picture sort of intent. And again, it's just setting up the context of where this story is going to live, where the feature that is described in the story, where that's going to live as well. Moving forward, all stories are about the particular conflict that happens within that story. Without a conflict, stories don't exist, right? Does Frodo destroy the ring or does he succumb to temptation, right? Um, why did Mando save Grogu? I think everybody's still wondering that one, right? Um, and so there's this question, there's this problem that keeps us coming back to the story. And as the story progresses, um, that is where we see um, the conflict 
sort of long uh, get get uh, drawn out, and that's really what we love about uh, particular stories, right? So uh, traditionally, we've written our user stories um, in this format as a blank. I want a blank, so that blank, uh, and that's that's okay, and that's fine. Uh, a few years ago, I did come across a different type of way of writing a story, uh, which was called a job story. Uh, and that essentially has this type of a format. When this context is happening, I want to this so I can do whatever it is, right? Um, and this in this particular article by Alan Clement, you know, he makes the argument of sometimes the persona is probably a little bit irrelevant. It's not super helpful. Is there a better way for what they want to do? Um, that expected outcome uh, seems to be pretty good. But in this jobs story, it provides a little bit more um, description in terms of what is that situation and context, like we were talking about earlier, but also what is the user or the human's motivation? What is the problem that they're tr really trying to experience? Um, so and the progress that they're really trying to make. Uh, I've used I've used both formats before. Both of them are fine. Uh, I don't think developers really see the nuance very much. And if you had this versus this, maybe some of the more uh, um, technical ones are going to want this exact format uh, a little bit more closely. I think this one for me, and just making sure that I've really dialed into what is that human's motivation and what is the progress that they're trying to make that this story and this feature is, is really going to describe. So um, I'll throw that article out there for you, replacing the user story with the job story. Um, go ahead and read that, experiment with it, um, and see, see if that's something um, that you like and that works for you and your development team. The plot thickens, right? We love the conflict is great, but it has to get thick and, and it has to be really descriptive over the course of the story. So a few more tips for that. As you can tell, I'm a real big fan of annotated screenshots. I mean, we've seen two or three of them already, but I think these are also really helpful. So this is an example of a story that I actually wrote in which I said, okay, here are the actual screenshots of the, of the functionality that's being described. You can see here, I'm trying to say, look, this is the whole page for context. Only worry about these pieces in green. Don't worry about this, this stuff in red here yet, right? So annotated screenshots can become your best friends. And in particular, um, links to the designs um, that they're going to be working on. This is especially helpful for your front end um, developers. And one last piece as well as the comments, right? So find some tool or some project management software where you can make these cards, these tickets, but also comment on them. There's gonna be a lot of conversation about this story as, as you write it, as you get it reviewed by your UX and your dev leads, um, as you go through estimation and grooming, there's gonna be questions that pop up um, and other functionality needs to be there. Make sure you are able to keep track of those comments. Uh, but no story is a good story unless it gets resolved, right? So how, how do you do a resolution on your user story. Well, really basic here is to write some acceptance criteria and dev notes. So another quick story. Um, I first wrote, I wrote my very first user story many, many years ago as a blank. I want a blank, so that blank. Um, and sat down with my dev lead to take a look at the stories before we went into grooming. And that's was that was all that I had written as a blank, blah, 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 blah. No acceptance criteria. So he looks at that, he's looking up, up at it, it was projected on screen, and he just looks at me and he says, there's no acceptance criteria. And I just kind of stared at him for a moment and I said, what in the world is acceptance criteria? <laughs> 
so fast forward several Google searches later, um, learned a little bit about acceptance criteria. These are sort of the definition of done. Um, and it's sort of um, in the realm of three to eight sort of statements of saying, for this story to be done, these things have to be true or not true, right? Um, uh, and so if these things are not met, um, then this story is not yet done. Uh, and this is a very, very big piece. Um, there can be a lot of debates back and forth about um, if a story is actually done or not. Um, your quality assurance, your test engineers, they're definitely going to want this acceptance criteria because this is the, how they're going to be setting up their automated tests is can the feature do X, Y, Z thing? Um, and another little piece of advice is sometimes we as product managers, we like to sneak in um, epic sized functionality in the form of our acceptance criterias. So uh, a few weeks ago, I was writing a story and I had an acceptance criteria list that was like 10 items long. And I looked at this and I was like, I knew, I know, I know I need to break this out further, right? But I'm like, I'll just see if it slides through, right? I'll, I'll just bluff and see if the developers catch me on it. Well, we're in grooming and we're in estimating. Uh, they're looking at this story. We're using a Fibonacci sequence and they're like, yeah, this is a 21. This is really huge. Uh, and, and, uh, and, and I was like, yeah, okay, you, you called my bluff. Uh, I, can't, I can't sneak anything past you. So I ended up taking that story and broke, actually broke that story down into, into different pieces that each had three to five um, acceptance criteria. Um, but uh, uh, the, I, I would think the definition of acceptance criteria again, Ashley, is um, th these things have to be true in order for this story to be done. Right. So if the feature can't do these things, uh, then then the story is not yet done um, and uh, work, especially with your test engineers, your quality assurance people, um, and they can really help you um, refine um, your acceptance criteria there. So I think uh, putting putting it all together, uh, we can take a look here. And um, this is essentially all of those component pieces of, of these user story techniques all put together. So having that concise descriptive title right up here, providing a, uh, a small purpose in your description, right? So describing today's functionality, why it's a problem, who it affects, what's out of scope, having your user or your job story um, described right in here, your link to the designs, your list of acceptance criteria or things that have to be true in order for that story to be done. Um, and annotated screenshots that go a little bit further uh, to make sure that developers are really clear on, on what needs to be built. Um, and in the end, uh, you have this level of story detail. Um, and I think it, it works really well. Uh, obviously, there's the back and forth um, between um, grooming and estimation that has to happen between product and development. Uh, and, and all of those things will be tracked here in the comments. And you might even revise some of this as you go forward. Uh, but at the end of the day, if a developer has something like this, when they start their sprint, they have two or three stories written just like this, um, then there's usually no question once they get into that uh, and they're ready to, to um, go forward and, and start coding and building the wonderful features that you've done the discovery around. Uh, epilogue. So this is the little bonus tips after the conclusion here. Um, but I've, we've kind of mentioned discovery. You really need to make sure that your discovery process is really in line, right? One of the main um, value adds that product managers bring to an organization is making sure that developers are building, building validated, viable, valuable, useful, feasible features, right? That are going to add value to the market. And that all happens in discovery. 
um, and especially involving your developers in discovery, right? Um, so a lot of these user stories, um, some can be more or less detailed, but I think the more your developers are involved in discovery upfront, um, then there's a little bit more shared knowledge or, or empathy across the team for, uh, for the humans that will be using your software. Um, another piece as well, ask your UX designer to polish up the designs a little bit before you link them to your stories. Uh, we ran into this just a couple of weeks ago where my UX designer and I, we have like tons of red comments around the designs where it's like, okay, well, what about this thing? Well, no, so-and-so customer said this, 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 or we have this data point. So, and, and this thing's not in scope and this thing's going to be future too. So we have all of these notes all around the designs. And so if you were to put that up in front of a developer, uh, they get really overwhelmed by all of that. So um, have your UX designer, once you've kind of honed and dialed in on the, on the designs, before you put, plop them into the story and take a screenshot and annotate that, just do a quick polish and make sure it's nice and clean and ready for your developers. So that there's just kind of no question or confusion there. Um, I like to also outline and skeleton my epics and my stories before I write them, right? So I think there were some questions around epics. So epics are a major body of work that you want your developers to move through that might um, take maybe two, three, four sprints of worth of work. Um, and within every epic, you might have uh, any number of stories, maybe three to 10 to 12 stories within that particular epic. And that's what your developers, essentially, that's their backlog of work that they need to go through are, are those epics and those stories. And I found that sometimes when I have all of these designs in front of me and we've done all this discovery, I can get lost in writing my own story. So I like to just pull up like a, an Excel spreadsheet and just do a skeleton draft and say, okay, I think I'm going to have, I think I'm describing right now, I'm describing three epics or two epics. And these are the stories that I'm going to write in the epic. So just do kind of a quick draft uh, beforehand. So you don't get lost down in the nitty gritty details of all of your stories. Um, and especially big point, um, have your UX designer and your dev lead, whoever your technical lead person is, have them review the stories before grooming. Um, this will help you just weed out any gotchas that haven't already been weeded out through the discovery process. Um, and, and just make sure that the, the wording is very clear um, and that also the product that you're not overstepping your bounds too much and prescribing how something needs to be built, you know, uh, an API repository, whatever it is, just, just making sure that you, you kind of have your boundaries um, delineated carefully there um, and make sure that collaboration um, is nice and tight uh, before going to the to the broader team. A big thanks to Aaron Armit for presenting. If you learned some things from Aaron's talk, be sure to share it with your team or share it on Twitter and mention us at product underscore hive. Sharing these talks is a great way to support Product Hive. As always, be sure to check out all our upcoming events. You can find them by searching for Product Hive on meetup.com. And while you're there, go ahead and join the group so you always get the latest updates. We also have a YouTube channel where you can find videos of all the past talks. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in your feed soon, and we'll see you at one of our next events.